Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, uh, another special edition of Israel Rebound, focusing on the current events in Israel and getting a perspective on what it's like in Jerusalem with our co-host Liz Feldstern. Um, I said Feldstern, Feldstern uh, in Jerusalem. So I'm Alan Padesh in um, California, and I'm joined with Liz here to kind of give us an update on how things are going on in Jerusalem. I just want to say that this is Wednesday, October the 18th. I believe it's the 12th day of the war with uh, Hamas. And also President Biden was in Israel for a short period of time today. Liz, first of all, how are you? And second of all, just start talking. I thought you were going to say, how are you? And second of all, how are you really? That's sort of become well, a thing of what people ask each other. I, I, I think that was implied when I, I think that was implied when I say just start talking. So yes, how are you really? Um I'm really as okay as one can be um in the unprecedented and un you know charted situation of being both in a war zone, um, reeling from a national tragedy and massacre on a scale that um, I'm not sure that uh, has been seen here in the last several generations. Um, and and all of the like not tragic but societal you know complexities that come with that right all of the services and things that we talked about last time that are not happening as they normally do uh because of the war so our day-to-day -day lives are still you know sort of appended and discombobulated in a way that um that is certainly not the norm. So you mentioned last week when you went shop grocery shopping that you saw a fair amount of food, but also you started to see a, a depletion of the standard um, stuff in the grocery store. Are you seeing that that's been replenished or are you a dwindling of resources? They are regularly replenishing. So there are you know, goods that are continuing to come into the stores, but not all. I guess there must be certain items that, you know, because of the supply chain somewhere along the way are less accessible now. So, um, so there are certain things that are harder to get. And there are some things that are missing for a while and then come back. There were several days um, from the end of last week and into this week when one could not find bottled water anywhere in the country because they had recommended that um, people have a three-day supply of water in their safe rooms and shelters just in case. Um, and that caused, you know, quite a run on bottled water. But now I see it is back in stores. Interestingly, what I saw in the corner store near us was a brand I've never seen before in my life. So they figured out some right alternative way to get bottles of water, but they, they are on the shelves. 
You also mentioned last week just uh, having to go down into the bomb shelter a couple of times. I, I've been getting, you know, the the red alerts, and I've noticed that central Israel is being targeted um, with rockets. Have Have you in Jerusalem experienced any more rockets, and have you had to go back into the bomb shelter? Uh, we did have this week, um, but um, but I think just uh, just one this week. So you know, um, yes, it's sort of spread out, I guess, amongst uh, central Israel. So on a daily basis, right, they're, they're continuing to, to happen. Um, but because the, you know, siren alerts are really, I guess, semi, I mean, they're pretty specific, right? We know where the rocket is approximately headed, headed and only in that area do people get the alert. So the same people mostly aren't getting them, you know, over and over again in central Israel. That's interesting to to hear. Because uh, when I get the alerts, I'm just thinking that everybody in that neighborhood is being targeted. And you're, you're saying it's more centralized in terms of who's getting A neighborhood, it. yes, but not, you know, multiple cities necessarily at once. So, you know, if you have one in Jerusalem and one in Tel Aviv and one in Herzliya and one in, you know, I am. So when you're out and about and, you know, going to the grocery store, running your typical daily errands, what what are you feeling? What are, What's the general feeling on the street that you're experiencing? I would say that the city is still quieter than usual. There's definitely something somber in the air. And also, I guess, quieter in terms of the number of people, right? If we know how uh, 360,000 people have been called up for reserve duty, that's a significant chunk. So all those people are not, you know, walking around or working or studying in Jerusalem as they normally are. And schools, uh, for the most part, are still closed. Today was the first day in Jerusalem that schools went back to in-person learning, but I don't think nearly any schools opened in full. They said that this return would be um, gradual. And what that looks like in each school is very different depending on whether the school has a sizable bomb shelter, on what proportion of their staff are available versus in reserve duty. Um, and, uh, and also in some cases here in Jerusalem, at least, um, have to do with the general security situation of the school. Does it have enough of a secure fence around it? Should something happen? How close is it located to East Jerusalem, et cetera, et cetera. So each school is, you know, doing different things. I've heard of schools where the kids are meeting in different locations. They're not going back to their regular school. They're going back to some alternative location or to different people's homes. A lot of different maneuvers to try and get at least some kids back to school and have some parents not have all of their kids at home. You mentioned the 360,000 people call up, being called up for reserve duty. How is that impacting the day-to-day life in in Israel, in, in Jerusalem, or in schools or workplaces? What are you seeing the results of that? 
Um, you really can see the results of that everywhere because it's such a significant number. I mean, these are teachers and bus drivers and garbage collectors and physicians and everything else. And now, right, a good chunk of them are simply not here. So, you know, any kind of thing that needs to happen or appointment that you want to make or service that you need um, is, uh, is harder to do. And also the country is on standby in a lot of ways, waiting to see what is going to happen with the war effort, both on the Southern front, if, you know, it's going to wind up having more significant fighting or a real front opening up in the North. Um, so all of those things are, are happening at once. Some of the video footage that I've been seeing from the news are the volunteers within Israel that are going to places to pack backpacks and pack boxes and help with the relocation of people from the Negev who've had to flee their homes from the kibbutzim and the villages that have been targeted. Um, are you seeing any of those activities in Jerusalem or are they primarily taking place in Tel Aviv? They're absolutely taking place in Jerusalem as well. Um, I mean, we're talking about like tens of thousands of people that have left their homes. Um, you know, I feel like for the past more than a year and a half, we've been using the term IDPs talking about Ukraine. And I don't think it ever crossed my mind that we would be using it in Israel. But for all intents and purposes, I mean, I think it is the right term, right? These are internally displaced people. These are people that have had to leave their homes because of war. Um, and yes, they're staying in Jerusalem as well. There are a lot of volunteer efforts um, to, to help out with these hotels and people that have been displaced, but not only. There are volunteers that are doing every single type of work imaginable in Israel. They've, you know, from factories to driving trucks to, you know, uh, there's also a phenomenon of, um, in Israel, we have quite a lot of people who come from the, from the Philippines to work as caregivers, taking care of uh, elderly people or people with severe physical disabilities. And, um, and a, a significant number of them have, have left, right? A war started and they, they went home. And so now you have people that don't have their usual caregiver. And so we have volunteers doing that type of work as well. I mean, volunteers are doing basically anything you could think of right now. That's one of the interesting things about this issue. And I mean, this war is that it, it appears from the outside that all Israel is kind of united in helping wherever they can. Is that a true assessment on my part or am I being I think, idealistic? No, I think it's, I think it's a true assessment. I think Israelis have always known how to come together at times of hardship. And now, I mean, all the more so, right? I mean, the, the scale of the, civil society response has been 
on par with the size of the horrific nature of what has happened. I'm glad to hear that. I've always felt that, you know, Israel is a, a country that has always rallied around um, the, the a crisis, whether it's in Israel or outside, which brings to mind, I don't know, I mean, there have been several earthquakes and other natural disasters around the world, and Israel's usually been first in line to help in those situations. There isn't the capacity now for Israel to help if there's an earthquake in Afghanistan or in um, South America. Is is that being talked about at all? I am. I I have not heard anyone talk about that. Certainly, let's hope there won't be any natural disasters in the very near term, because you're right. I don't think Israel would be in a position to be the first responders as we often are right now. There's uh, There are too many needs here at home. We'll have to pay attention to that, and I hope that we don't have any natural disasters, although I know that there was another earthquake in Afghanistan um, the other day. Um, President Biden, I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, that President Biden made a war, it's being called a wartime visit to Israel, where he embraced um, Prime Minister Netanyahu on the tarmac, and then they had some meetings, and then the president made some very um significant comments uh, that the United States is behind Israel. Uh, what What's your feeling about that? And how important was that for you and others to hear? So I actually was uh, very surprised. Maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, a bit jaded or, or too harsh in my assessment of the Israeli character. But I think I had thought that going into a war Israelis would show their sort of tough Sabra exterior, maybe, and say, you know, we don't need the approval of the rest of the world. We don't care what anybody else says. You know, we're going to do what we need to do. And that has not been the sentiment. I think Israelis have been so appreciative and apparently deeply needed to hear from President Biden and from other world leaders and places of support that they do stand behind Israel. Uh, that I have heard and, and again, been surprised by sort of over and over again over the past week and a half um, of how much Israelis really needed that and, and are comforted by it. We know historically that the world you know, might have empathy or sympathy for Israel in a situation, and then it turns with the propaganda from outside of Israel. There was an explosion uh, last night at a hospital in Gaza, and that immediately made the the media, you know, blast. And at the end of the day, you know, Israel determined that they were not the party that did this, that it was an internal group in Gaza that did it and that negativity towards Israel just immediately you know highlighted around the world or I, I don't want to say the word ignited but highlighted around the world this animosity towards Israel and that goodwill that was there at the beginning has seemed to dissipate are you seeing that feeling also in Israel or has it been too soon I think that you know, in Israel, we are very aware and realistic to the fact that 
while it is deeply appreciated when there are some world leaders that do publicly and consistently stand behind Israel, we are not at all naive to the fact that there are many, many people and parts of the world that are just looking for an excuse to point the finger at Israel. Um, and so I, I don't think Israelis are, are surprised by that. Um, the, the opposite, in fact, I think they have been so overwhelmed with the places that have been a source of positive, you know, uh, support. We've also learned that there are about there are over fourteen hundred people that have been killed during this war, and over two hundred people being held hostage in Gaza, ranging from you know infants to very old elderly people. Uh, and I know there are strong efforts to remind people of who those people are. What are you seeing again in terms of your neighborhood or closeness with friends? that uh, the result of the people who've died or those that have been held captive? Um, so uh, one uh, phenomenon that has been happening with these many, many funerals that are taking place all over Israel um, is that whole neighborhoods are showing up to uh, stand outside and support the family on their way, you know, to the to the funeral. And we had one such uh, funeral in our neighborhood. Uh, a young person that I did not know personally, but who had been at the music festival, um, and was murdered and uh, I went when I heard that the you know family was going to be leaving for the funeral and there were thousands of people just silently lining both sides of the street uh, many with Israeli flags and in the middle of the street were two buses big you know quarter size buses and several um israeli army people who i guess their job is to help organize funerals um and one bus was for the family and one bus was for other you know friends and guests i guess that were going to go to the to the funeral and, and cemetery themselves but outside, you had all of these people just standing there to to show their support and their, you know, wanting the family to know that they're not alone. Um, and when the buses drove off, there was a moment where everybody sort of stood wondering, well, you know, what comes next? How do we just turn around and go back? the rest of our day and someone started singing Hatikva. So I don't know if this is what happens at all of the such, you know, 
accompaniments, but that this one, it did. So everyone sang Hatikva and then, you know, went back to, uh, to the rest of their day. But uh, it was extremely powerful. And I think this is the kind of thing that's happening, you know, up and down the country. There are just so, so many people lost for a country this size. It's, you know, it's really unimaginable. Yeah, I agree that I think somebody came up with a number that if you took the the percentage of of the population connected to the 1400 or so individuals that have died so far that it's well over 30 40,000 Americans had would have been, you know, killed at that time. So it's a huge mm-hmm. on one day. Yeah. yeah. I don't have that yeah. math correct, but that was the number I heard. The other thing that I want to share I'm you probably already know about this too is that there are WhatsApp groups for Shiva, uh, for people to to go to people's homes and support um, Shiva because there aren't enough people in that family left to do that or um, able to come. So, you know, yes, Shiva- I've seen that, and I've also seen for uh, for a lone soldier that um, I think the parents had, you know, managed to come from abroad to to come here and sit Shiva for their son, but that was it. There wasn't anybody else. The family isn't here. And so that was another case when, you know, on WhatsApp, they were asking people to be able to come and, and be at the Shiva. Any final comments before we close out this podcast today? Um, only that... You know, I I know that people who care about Israel but are not in Israel now are feeling, you know, far away and want to, you know, feel like they're a a part of Israel and feel like they're helping. Um, And I would just say that one, that sentiment is very much appreciated by everyone here, myself included, and that for, for people that want to find ways to help, um, they they do exist. None of us is helpless. There are many many organizations doing amazing work that that need support, both you know financial support and boots on the ground type support and uh, social media type support. And I think um, that everyone who cares about Israel can find a role to play now to bring more good and positivity into the world and to support uh, Israel and those who are fighting for Israel right now. Thank you for that, Liz. And I will put into the uh, comments some links for uh, philanthropy and also some resources that people might be interested in learning more about how to engage uh, from afar. Again, thank you for you today. Thank you for everything you're doing and staying safe and that your family stays safe. Uh, and, um, you know, looking forward to an, an upbeat, more back to talk about food or culture at some time. But I know for the next couple of weeks, we'll probably do updates on Israel. So thank you. And thank you all for listening. This has been Israel Rebound. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.